This is Reclaiming Yourself, brought to you with PhytologyHub.com. How we overcome fears, find our inner strength, and trust ourselves. Now here's your host, Suzanne Keatley. Amber, nutrition coach, ex-teacher, ex-OT, entrepreneur, mum, wife, all around gorgeous human being. Um, welcome to Reclaiming Yourself podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. What an introduction. I'm going to have to live up to that. I mean, there's lots missing from there, but I thought that kind of covered the more recent times in your life, at least. Just thanks for bringing your eyebrows. <laughs> well, now that you should mention them, <laughs> they're quite prominent. I've been uh, starting off every single coaching call this week, apologising for my eyebrows. They are quite dark. Well, I had them microbladed yesterday. What I didn't realise was that for the first week or so, they are incredibly dark until the scabs fall off. So, so what did they do? They actually blade into your skin, like tattoo your skin? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty painful. So they kind of make cuts and then put ink into the cuts. But it does, as it heals, the scabs kind of fall away. And it won't look like this. So 70% of the colour will remain. So for like Christmas dinner next week, you're going to be... Uh, I'm going to scare your family. Yeah. Eyebrows are going to be falling off. Well, yes, into my plate, Indeed. possibly. It's hard to know where to start with this, but let's let's start like right back. Let's go back to who you were as a child and tell us about life as a kid and as a teenager. And Gosh, now there's a can of worms you're opening. Life as a young child, I don't remember too much. I potentially, yeah, potentially have blocked a bit out. It was tough in some ways. So I grew up kind of... North London. In a house in North London with who was in that house with you? My mum, my dad and my two older brothers. So they are, I think, five and six years older than me, Ozzy and Amir. I mean, you talk about <laughs> all the, the fun you had in terms of games and... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of kind of testosterone and... and yeah hurting games <laughs> that I was uh, dragged into. Yes, with our own little boy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, it was quite simple, as in my dad had come over from Pakistan uh, with not a penny in his pocket, no clue what he was going to do over here, and kind of pretty self-made in that sense. So he worked incredibly hard when... My brothers were younger. I think times were a lot harder. So there was minimal money. Yeah, and life was just yeah, simple. I think we didn't have loads. But what we did have was, I guess, each other. <laughs> and that meant a lot, really. So family network was pretty strong because it was just us. There wasn't loads of extended family. I mean, disaster struck when you were 11, 12. My mum was a, I mean the most integral part of our family and she was healthy she was happy you know we used to do so much together and this particular day when uh, tragedy struck it was just like any other day a completely normal day picked me up from school made dinner we all sat together I that night watched her die in front of my eyes so she had an aneurysm that went I think it was her leg and it lodged in her heart and it was instant pretty much I mean it was unbelievable trauma kind of being there watching it and then life just not making sense anymore yeah I was in secondary school and didn't cope very well going back no so school kind of 
it was all a <laughs> downhill from there, really. Yeah. Which is uh, not surprising. And I think your dad just did what he thought was right in terms of coping. And then with all the information that we know these days, I guess, yeah, there just wasn't that same level of support. It was just not handled so well, but then people don't know how yeah. to handle. And also, you know, it was just such a everyone's unique that goes through that kind of trauma. And I think people were really trying to help kind of talking to me a lot, but I didn't really have the words. Yeah. I didn't know what to say or what to do or how to carry on. And then one of the things that you did manage to control or had lack of Lack of control, but control was food, wasn't it? Yes, and like reflecting back on life before, and in fact since kind of working on the Balanced Being programme, I do realise that even before my mum passed away, I had issues with food. There was an element of control and restriction. It made me feel like I had some power, I guess, by being able to restrict food and that just absolutely multiplied when my mum passed away to the point of, yeah, like pretty much anorexia. I just didn't eat. I was making myself sick. I was running like a loon on the spot up in my bedroom after eating anything. And, you know, I absolutely hated my body. That was where all my emotions came out. It was all towards myself. I started self-harming. It was a really dark and lonely place. And prior to that, like when you were a little kid, you talk about the fact that even then, on reflection now, it was that because of the household you were in, was there like a little bit more control and and you must behave and be in a certain way and so then food? So I grew up in, I mean, it was very much a Muslim household. My dad had certain standards and rules. wasn't free, I guess, in the sense that I consider freedom now, to make certain choices or to, you know, hang out with people that I wanted to. Yeah, there was a sense of restriction. And the way that I dealt with that was by throwing lunch away, by not eating breakfast. And that gave me some sense of, you know, I can control certain things and decide what I want to do. Mm. Yeah, your mum was that kind of other outlet, I guess. Mm. She made, took you out of that a little bit, is that right? Yeah, it reminds me of a story, actually. Many people have heard this one already, but yeah, school kind of clocked on to the fact that I wasn't eating and I was throwing away my lunch and they called this kind of repair meeting, I guess it was, and my mum was called into school and I think it was the head teacher and a few other teachers sat around the table and just said, you know, do you know that your daughter's been throwing away her lunch and she doesn't, she's not eating during the day? Other things were said, but I'd completely tuned out by this point. And I just remember my mum standing up, coming over to me, giving me a hug and just saying, basically back off and I'll deal with this. And I remember sitting in the car with her and she was just like, you know, what do you need? What's missing? You know, what can I do to support you which is hard to know when you're whatever age you are seven eight nine <laughs> no a bit older than that yeah. but yeah I I guess she just always had that level of mm. understanding and connection which when it wasn't there was devastating to tell me. us about Friday night pizza night mm, yes I mean it was just a really fun thing that we used to look forward to yeah just I guess that family bonding so you used to make pizzas from like you weren't ordering in pizza at that point no but that did change eventually to pizza hut unfortunately but before that yeah (laughs) yeah. it was your mum kind of Mm. everybody in the kitchen all the all the bits and pieces were out yes on the counters yeah 
yeah, and it was just fun. A really Creating fond memory. Yeah. I remember it's you talking job. about that. Zayden loves pizza now. Well, that's it? it. And we tr- we try, I know we try and like recreate that. And you did because you went on your sour making, sourdough making course last week. And so we had sourdough pizza last We did. Friday. I thought great. I was pretty good. Yeah, I was really yeah. impressed. Yeah. Zayden's, don't know, he's a margarita boy, but we'll convert him. Were you always a sporty girl? I think I know the answer. I do know the answer to this, but tell us. Yeah, so when I was younger, like I spoke about my confidence was really, really low, actually. We found a whole box of my school reports, do you remember? And every single one starts off with Amber is a really shy girl. She's very quiet. And sport brought me a sense of confidence that I just felt like a different person when I was on the field or when I was running around a track or doing any sort of athletics was a big thing for me when I was younger rounders for England which no one believes but it's true go on tell us <laughs> yeah my dad used to drive me around the country playing rounders playing rounders for England it wasn't yeah. even just a trial you actually no, played rounders did. which is the best sport I know on the planet yeah and martial arts also a really really big part of my life so yeah and I think sport brought me all sorts of things confidence escape yeah like just an opportunity to put my mind to something and and, and excel yeah I was I mean I guess I worked hard as well I still call you the uh, my gazelle right <laughs> you got these long long limbs that can just turn over two minutes faster every kilometer than me <laughs> so when Amber and I go for a run we start out together but then Amber like runs ahead by what about a kilometer and then you come back and we high five and then you go again and we have great fun just and they're my best runs. yeah and we have a great time <laughs> just just accept that I plod you still have that sword so I used to do kung fu and uh, I can't quite remember the name of the when you use the swords but I used to have yeah swords and all sorts of weapons that I used to practice with I used to love it I love it absolutely love it if Zayden gets into any sort of martial arts I'll be very happy mm. that's where ninja schoolers come from <laughs> yeah so he does ninja school every Saturday and he really loves it doesn't he, he does love it yeah so do you want to talk about just a little bit about that pre-uni and how you ended up in Bristol University I won't go into huge detail but I did cope with my mum's death with things that really kind of impacted my life so I started using heroin when I was very young 13 I think and it was a very quick spiral into a life of absolute misery and self-destructive behaviours I mean everything that came with that lifestyle was a form of self-harm really and it just within kind of six years I was in an awful dark place really didn't think I was going to survive I did (laughs) somehow um yeah I mean I guess there were many but how did you get to uni like what was the thing that went if I'm gonna survive I need to de-surround yourself but with the people that you were with so I did have a, a long stint in rehab I spent yeah but like over the course of it kind of two years before uni in rehab but 
that wasn't a time I mean I did get clean obviously uh, but I did relapse many a times after that and I relapsed while I was at uni quite a few times so it wasn't kind of smooth sailing after that but uni gave me an insight into what life could be I'd worked so hard to get there I'd done my A-levels, got four A's, which nobody in this world thought I'd do. I just remember the head teacher of that particular secondary school just being in absolute disbelief. Could not believe it. I think I did one of my exams needing something. <laughs> I was, yeah, in, not in a good way. And I remember, you know, the day I was going to look around Bristol University, although I'd absolutely set my mind on going to that uni. I had a picture of it on my wall. I had a photo of me on the steps. Everything in my being was wanting to to go there, do psychology. It's my biggest passion. Um, But the day I was going to visit that university, I think I was just still in self-destruct mode. I had taken a bottle of vodka to school in my flask, got absolutely hammered in my maths class was asked to leave absolutely bald it you know just crying my eyes out my maths teacher was lovely tried to be really supportive I got really violent tried to run into the road had four teachers kind of no four teachers restraining me and then ran into the road got hit by a car and so had to be escorted around Bristol Uni limping just a complete dire situation really I mean I'm, I'm sitting here laughing and I'm not laughing because I'm you know we've chatted about this many a time but that's what we mean by the fact that you've survived like you are like a cat with nine lives <laughs> <laughs> I think they're all used up <laughs> they're all used up and that's why you're super careful now aren't you yeah. you had to even get rid of the moped yes uh, yeah. a couple of years ago because it was just you were coming home every day with all that Wing mirror hit me today, and I was like, "Right, look, you have a, we have a child now." Well, I mean, it was stolen. I do, <laughs> might not have, yeah, might not have given stolen. it up otherwise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Still be on it. Yeah, you weren't allowed to buy another one then. No, 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 no. I mean, you went to uni, and your fe- your best friend happened to be sitting across the the room yes. from you as well. My best gorgeous friend Esther. Yeah, lost when you were like in primary, right? And then you, yeah, you kindled well, or played primary. Oh gosh, she she knows the timeline. My memory's all a mess. But yeah, we'd kind of been friends in our younger years. She knew my mum. Probably my only friend that knows knew my mum. So that alone is very special, but she is incredibly special. And... <laughs> Yeah, so we had lost contact. She had moved to Australia with her family and, you know, we wrote at the start and then, as you do, kind of just got involved in our lives. So I just didn't think I'd... Well, I didn't really think about it. But on our induction day, we were kind of standing across the room listening to the dean speaking and introducing us and I just looked up and I was like, oh, my goodness... There's Esther. We were doing psychology. She was doing philosophy with it. Yeah, we spent the next three years. She helped me with every single exam. <laughs> <laughs> Revision. She's like, Amber. You got first class, memory? didn't you? Isn't it <laughs> due to Esther? <laughs> due on, due to Esther. No. Due to Esther, basically. Yeah. 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 All credit. Yeah. <laughs> she told that story most recently, amongst other stories, and made a lovely speech at your 40th birthday, which was... Beautiful, wasn't it? And uh, yes. a really nice timeline of your life as well. And yeah. yeah, and where you're at now. 
So you you got you got through uni, and then I mean you've done just multiple jobs and accreditations and certificates. I was and looking through my folder to uh, to find my psychology degree the other day, and yes, the amount of certificates were <laughs> unbelievable. I always thought that yeah, study would. Yeah, and just, I mean, I love learning. I think there was also something about... Not proving yourself? Maybe, maybe. Your dad was was a driver behind yeah. that, le- like, in terms of success, right? You're both of... You had a really, like, beautiful childhood and they were both wanted their children to be super successful as any parent, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there was a there was just this grounding perfectionism. there. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely a perfectionist trait there. Always striving, which has gone in my favour in some ways, but also can is something that I've learnt I need to curb a little bit. Uh, and I see it very much in my dad now. Lovely as he is. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, your dad lives kind of now over the other side of South London. He does. And yeah. You have a really good relationship because that was a hard relationship up until kind of recent years, I guess. Yeah, it's been a real struggle. Obviously, we went through a huge trauma. Uh, we all dealt with it in our different ways. Uh, my dad remarried, didn't go so well. It hasn't gone so well. And so we've really had to repair a lot of our relationship and forgive him, forgive me for years of, well, it's just your worst nightmare for your child to be dying in front of your eyes. Yeah, and just watching the two of you together is is lovely now. You're able to sit right next to each other and just hold each other and cuddle each other and talk and yes. chat, which is just... <laughs> Even in recent years, that's just been such a a mountain you've climbed. So that's lovely, isn't it, that you've got that? Yeah, and I think old age kind of softens you a bit. Mm. Yeah, because he accepted us, really. He accepted us and he accepted Zayden. And... Yeah, and that was a huge thing because my childhood was full of, why can't you be more like that girl? Why can't you be more of a good Muslim girl? So much comparison. And I spent my teenage years kind of knowing that there was something different about me, but never accepting it, never allowing myself to explore that avenue uh, or even think about it because it was so wrong in the culture that I was growing up in. And there was so much shame. Like when I did eventually start dating women what uh, you dated women for me <laughs> <laughs> life did not exist before you darling okay well just don't listen to this bit uh, but when I did start dating women yeah there was just so much shame and I never ever ever thought that it would be accepted in my family it was always hidden it was just a, another life another thing that I hid and that brings a lot of disconnection but it was when I met you that I decided that was it. It was either accept this relationship or we won't have a relationship ourselves. Uh, And I remember that phone call that I made to him and I said, I am marrying the woman of my dreams. (laughs) So, you know, this is happening and I don't expect you to accept it right now, but I want you to think about it. Uh, and I'm not going to change my mind and this is this is what's going to make me happy. And we didn't speak for quite some time, quite a few months. I can't remember how long. 
And then it was, yeah, walking to Photology Hub one day and he rang and I was so surprised to see his name pop up on the phone and he just said, I don't want to be without you. And we've had to build from there, really. Yeah, And, then and now he loves you. I got on great with him. Oh, great gosh. friends. Yeah. And my older brother. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. We have a great time. Yeah. Let's really jump forward now. What was your inspiration for setting up Balance Being Programme? And tell us about Balance Being Programme. When it started, sure. how you started. So the Balance Being Programme comes from a lot of different passions obviously my own through my experiences the fact that emotions impacted the way that I ate and have eaten for my whole entire life to until very recently I've felt completely controlled by food or my emotions around food or kind of thoughts around food and my body very insecure about certain parts of my body obviously my eyebrows so there was that there was personal experience then there was my psychology background which I said I didn't study for at all but that's not true I did do an A-level in psychology as well and it's just been my passion for my entire life as well I trained as a drugs counsellor then I trained as a, a another type of counsellor and followed my interest in that sense and using all of those things like in your other careers as OT and Yeah, teacher. as an occupational therapist, um, it was all about breaking down skills for children because uh, I worked in a school. Yeah, so it was kind of really, it came to a point where I loved working as an occupational th- therapist, but I knew it wasn't my calling. And then obviously we've got Photology Hub. Uh, but before that, even, oh, so it was oc- occupational therapy, but then you were more or less a teacher then because you did a qualification to use occupational therapy specialist teacher yeah to special to specialize yeah to be able to work in a school yes which you had just brilliant years and I did yeah and I really really enjoyed it that's Um, the most recent big job that you have to leave to do this thing right yes so that was yeah like eight years met some amazing people loved the job but it came to a point where I just knew that wasn't my calling and I wasn't completely fulfilled so it was a process of kind of thinking well where are my passions and obviously photology hub yeah yeah, but I wanted something of my own (laughs) I didn't want to just join you (laughs) I wanted you to be my slave (laughs) I mean that works well in other aspects of our lives it doesn't work well anymore does it I mean oh, you were, no. used to be such I'm a an independent great, woman <laughs> you used to be great I'd be like come and do this and you'd be like yeah now you're like I just don't have any time yeah I don't have any time busy. I'm sorry but you know I'm always here to help um, so yeah I kind of thought well, I love the coaching side of things. I'd coached at Photology Hub for, for a long time. And, you know, coaching is kind of my passion because it's about really understanding people, connecting with people, you know, trying to get them to see what they're capable of, their potential, you know, just all the things that I love doing. So I kind of thought, right, there's food that I'm really like and my experiences with it and my body image and all of those personal experiences my interest in coaching and psychology and understanding how the brain works how can I put this all together but also even just before that highlighting that food bit I mean you just spent every evening in the kitchen yes every, this I mean, is true come to Ireland to my mum's house <laughs> and you just spend the whole time in the kitchen cooking yeah this is true I've only talked about the negatives 
relationship with food and actually since then since I kind of you know have met you and been happy <laughs> in life I food has now become my absolute passion in the sense that I know how much it brings joy health happiness and health is you know just so important to me having nearly lost my life and not had health it's one of the things that you know I just don't want to let go of I I value it more than anything because I remember the years building up to this I mean you had serious imposter syndrome and I think that's pretty normal when you're putting yourself out there and going for this stuff you had the coaching you know that practical element but it was the food stuff was at home it was private it was yours and then ours right because you cooked for us which we were very lucky but yeah so that imposter syndrome and then it was like Amber you've you you do this stuff and it was trying to say I guess that lots of people don't naturally know and do do this stuff they don't have that same like understanding of food and now what we know and what you've brought into your program around women in there into their late 30s 40s and 50s and how nutrition has to change yeah. and not just the nutrition in terms of food but and I know you'll talk about this in terms yeah. of sleep and stress and all that kind of stuff but how different it is for a particular demographic absolutely and this I mean yeah the imposter syndrome definitely around kind of where do I begin writing a program I didn't know really where to start but once I did start it it just came so naturally I guess in a way because like you were just saying health is more than just what we eat and I was well aware of that and yeah being able to put together all the pillars so my pillars <laughs> behind the balance being Before program Amber looked at me just now and I was about can you tell me the <laughs> so there's nutrition there's movement stress stillness and self so Nutrition, most of the women that come to me know exactly what to eat. That's really not the issue. It's about being so busy. It's about, you know, prioritising everything else before their own needs, perhaps not being as organised as they'd like to. Uh, There's so many kind of, yeah, just like shoveling food in as and when, not having a plan or a structure. So that's why the nutrition part of the programme is really focused on, you know, the behind the scenes of eating, like what's going on that's preventing you from being able to really prioritise what you need in this stage of your life. And history and life and like what you what we grew up with right exactly yeah the amount of damage that diets have done in the past uh this connection to weight loss that once i lose weight i'll be happy and actually kind of breaking that myth (laughs) it's a hard thing to go through and detach yourself from because it's so ingrained in all of us you know this desire i guess or like cultural influence that tells us that we, yeah, expectation that our bodies need to be a particular way and that's all we strive for. But actually it's about so much more than that because when we really dig into why people want to make the changes, you know, it really is about I want to be around for my kids longer. I want to feel energised and be really productive in my job. You know, there's just so many deeper, meaningful, I want adventure in life so many reasons because there's so many people that stop saying yes to things because they feel so bad about their bodies 
Mm, yeah, from, yeah. From a physical point of view and an and energy point of view. And we can relate to that. Totally. Right? Yeah. Like that saying no to, or not saying yes, but sometimes, but to like a holiday where you then know you're going, there's going to be this pressure around yeah. what to wear on a sun holiday, especially. Yeah, which can be all consuming and like being in an environment, but not really being in an, in there, you know, not being present because you're so conscious about your body or how you're feeling. That's, it's really horrible. <laughs> yeah, so nutrition as well we look a lot at gut health um because for yeah well everybody but the women that i work with it's so important for balancing hormones for our immune function for yeah regulating our appetite balancing everything really the nutrition part of the program is really about adding and how to nourish ourselves and how to get as many colours on the plate as possible. And I often talk about like pimping up meals. So if you're going to have, you know, toast, why not make it as nourishing as possible? So add some avocado, chuck some flax seeds on there, sprinkle hemp seeds on everything. They're very high in protein. You know, so just the most basic thing that you're already doing just thinking about how to add nourishment to that, a little bit more protein, some healthy fats and fibre, and off you go. doesn't need to be so complicated. <laughs> no, I mean, that sounds very simple, but, you know, the premise is that it doesn't have to be overly complicated. It's a little bit of what you're doing already, perhaps swapping out the things that aren't making you feel so good. We're going to probably release this, actually, just after Christmas. So people are going to be potentially in that stage of I've just had all the food and all the Baileys in my case. <laughs> are you talking about yourself here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, all the wine and all everything else. Yeah. So yeah, like let's put ourselves there with mm. people with that feeling. And I guess this will be the point where this whole new year thing starts to kick in without you kind of even meaning, you know, to for that to happen. The thing is, I always say, what is the point of berating or really giving yourself a hard time about the thing that you've chosen to do? So Christmas, yes, absolutely can be a time of indulgence. And the thing is, when we're not enjoying it, we're feeling so guilty about it, it takes out all the enjoyment, doesn't it? So when we come to January, I really want people to just think, well, it's a new start. It's a new day. Every single choice that you make is a new choice. So it doesn't matter what's just happened. It's about really... You had a good time. You had a good time. That's great. Yeah. And And there's more of that to come as well, right? Like we want to continue having a nice time with food. We do. And be able to make choices that But it doesn't need to be extreme. It doesn't need to be kind of all or nothing. And hopefully my current clients on the Balanced Being program are going to tell me that Christmas has felt a bit more balanced this year because it had, you know... There hasn't been that need to indulge in all the chocolate just before you sit down for your main meal or or just being a bit more mindful about what your body really needs or wants. So getting a bit of a balance between the really exciting food at Christmas and how much you need of it. And is that the only thing that would come up at this stage for people on your programme or will there be like discussions about how they eat and how did they decide to enter into an environment that maybe they might not choose to be in or they do choose it but it's the done thing every year and pressures around family and I mean yeah it's definitely habit is a huge part of the program so 
all of our habits come from somewhere. They come from past experiences, our family structure, social inputs and influences, our cultural background, and they're formed over, you know, just repetition. And it becomes something we don't even think about. And this is the hard thing. That's why it feels so hard to make the changes because it's just so automatic. And it feels overwhelming because we're talking about habits in a lot of different areas. I've just talked about those five pillars and we haven't even got past a little bit of nutrition, you know, like we're just touching the surface here. So imagine like trying to change all of those habits. And actually we can't. We need to look at this step by step, tiny little change, you know, and that's what we do on the programme. It's like layering habits on top of each other and making changes that are achievable, manageable, sustainable. So if we're talking about Christmas time, you know, there's a lot of emotion attached to Christmas time. We're going perhaps back to parents or, you know, within family structures that bring up a lot of emotion. And food is our number one and alcohol coping strategy. So we'll turn to it whenever we feel a particular emotion and that's our trigger. And then it causes this automatic habit loop. And before we know it, we're polished off the whole box of chocolates (laughs) and then asleep in front of the telly. So it's really about the first stages to bring our attention and awareness to what we're feeling, what's going on in our body right now. Why are we wanting to drink all the wine and eat all the food? That level of awareness can allow you to make a change within that moment. It's just really knowing your strategies and understanding how you can do it personally. That's what we do on the programme is discover what people's particular powerful strategies are that they can use within that time. I guess for me, I'm just thinking about my most my most recent realisation and around the idea of habit and, you know, 43 years of, you know, seeing my nana do something in a particular way and my mom and then and everybody around me in in the kind of culture and in the Irish culture and batch Brennan's bread if anybody from Ireland's listening white thick amazing it's just so good but you know layered in butter whether it's toasted or not and then sandwiches and and things like that and actually I've had some tests recently and my uh, my bad cholesterol is bad um, it's up in the up in the moon, and it's a genetic thing, I guess, because yeah. my my mom has not so good cholesterol as well. But yeah, just even then thinking about this change from butter to olive oil, mm. and still having the thing, but just having it, and actually, you don't quite often taste the. I mean, you do taste butter, <laughs> butter melted on toast is a very yummy thing. Just that one change, and I was like, right, two weeks of just making that one change. I mean, and you're doing great. Yeah, and bread's come back into the house since we've had Zayden, right? Because before we had Zayden, we actually didn't have. No, we never bought it, but I mean, he's a, he loves a sandwich, doesn't he? So yeah. can't deprive him of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not so mad on butter, thankfully. But I mean, not that it's an awful thing. But yeah, I think these swaps are easy things to do. Like we don't need to miss out on the thing that we really love. We can make lots of healthy swaps. But also what you were just saying there is a real association to a memory, a time that felt really good. And I think we need to acknowledge those and celebrate those memories and times, but we don't always need to recreate the food. That's the distinction is we can remember, we can really kind of embrace that time, but we don't have to repeat the same food as such. You know, we can have 
a slightly healthier option. Or one of my clients was saying this morning, in fact, that her usual would be a bacon sandwich and she was really craving that but then she kind of thought about it and she's like actually it's the bacon that I want so she made like a kind of delicious sounding hash with sweet potato mushrooms loads of veggies and then she added kind of sauce was it oh cranberry sauce with a bit of water made it into like some sort of reduction and then added bacon and she said it was delicious I bet I know I was very proud of her right that is a highlight Absolutely. So there you go. That's how to recreate a bacon sandwich. Is this person quite creative? Very. Good. She's wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Is yeah. there any um, people who, and I can imagine that that becomes a bit of a struggle in your programme, that, you know, they go in thinking, I'm going to work on my nutrition. And I know you explained the programme beforehand and, and you're really clear about what it is, what the journey is, because it's a 12 week yes. uh, programme. But I yeah, uh, do people struggle with that? Because it's quite deep emotion, isn't it? Absolutely. It's very deep emotions. Yeah, I've kind of described a tiny bit of the nutrition part as the pro- program moves on. You know, we work on movement, as I said. Um, but then also the inner critic, uh, our negative thoughts, um, you know, all sorts of these associations and food myths and body image, mindset. There's some really big topics that come up in the programme because looking at food is like looking at me taking drugs. That was not the problem. The problem started way back when, you know, I felt absolutely lost, no sense of belonging, hated my body because I had all of these emotions bottled up. It's exactly the same. We we lean on certain things to cope and to make us feel better but it doesn't mean that we have a problem with that thing it means that the problem is elsewhere and that's what we need to deal with and what you've created and I guess Photology Hub grew I know you were teaching but you were very much part of building safe spaces that are accepting and that are understanding and even on this podcast I mean we've literally you're you're telling your deepest darkest secrets and having a space to do that because your program is now groups right small groups mainly yes and how's that going it is like a dream come true for me i hope it is for my clients as well it's wonderful it's a really safe space incredibly supportive some of the groups have little whatsapp groups amongst themselves but we have a a bigger one as well and just the level of support on there is unbelievable people sharing experiences but also you know recipes I put podcasts on there just yeah like little supportive things it's just a wonderful place to be and so much change happens you know week on week I just see transformations and it might be slow and it might be steady but people are changing their lives and I'm so so grateful to be part of that I'm proud right proud yeah. One of the people that you work with also has this incredible skill of journaling on an iPad, but uh, kind of scribbly. No, what's the, what, what are the right words? Doodle. Like doodle, yeah. doodle journaling on an iPad. And she was running a, a workshop for you. And I was cheeky and I jumped in on that. <laughs> and it was just so lovely to be 
again, you know, that was a mix of different people. It wasn't the set groups um, no. that you had in there. And for one of your people that is doing that work and for them to be able to bring their style, like their how they do things. She's obviously not a, a person who will write re- pages and no. pages in a journal. And many but this aren't. Was, and many people aren't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was lovely. And that's like tapping into the things that we just did as kids and teenagers and, and young and young people and and almost getting that back again um, yeah absolutely and bringing it to life yeah and it's really I'm really lucky that Nick uh, has agreed to run these workshops for every cohort of the Balanced Being programme so if you do sign up <laughs> yeah you'd be joining one of these and they are brilliant uh, the first time I did one drawing and anything creative has been such a block of mine ever since childhood I was told by a teacher I was useless at it I can't quite remember exactly what happened but since then I've just never allowed myself to do anything creative um even with Zayden I you know kind of refused to draw and I'm just like oh I'm terrible at this well I don't say it in front of him but you know I feel terrible for the first time since I was a kid I allowed myself to just go for it on the iPad through Nick's instructions and I was so proud of the work I loved it it just felt so liberating there's yeah no judgment and that's the whole premise of the program there's no judgment one of the things that you are really worried about um and you haven't spoken because you've probably forgotten but when you were transitioning from this school environment where you were you had to be in there every day at a particular time you left at the end of the day and it was all very structured and then you were setting up this business yeah so one of the things that you were worried about was structure I guess and being able to manage your time and all of this stuff what would you say to that now do you remember that uh yes I very I was so worried about that um oh my gosh I haven't had time to think about it yeah things uh, just have been so busy but as you know time progresses I'm getting better and better with boundaries because you really need to put them in place, don't you? I'd work round the clock. Uh, I'd do anything for my clients. I'd be there at any given moment. I've just had to, you know, really have a word with myself and and say you've got to lead by example. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. It's yeah. I guess at that time when you were worried, it was like, how will I be able to work? You know what I mean? Will I? Yeah. Mm. And uh, and now you just yeah basically the creative no juices to, flow. There's no time to think no. anymore. <laughs> Hence, we had to have a podcast just for a chat. Yeah, this is I. true. This yeah. is the only time. I mean, this is the longest lovely hair, conversation. <laughs> this is the longest conversation we've had in months, uh, years, years since Satan was born. Yeah, four, four and a half years to be precise. <laughs> yeah. So, how do people get in touch with you? So, I'm on Instagram. That's where I do a lot of my posting. So it's Amber Keatley S there, and there's a link on that page to. Uh, website and then you click on that and then you can book a call in oh, I mean you're available 24 hours a day so <laughs> no boundaries Suzanne <laughs> yeah. yeah cool yeah uh, head there I think can you we'll... put them in the show notes is that a thing <laughs> oh yeah the show notes there you we'll go that's very, what most professional, professional podcasters say exactly exactly <laughs> we'll put your links in there cool um I well, mean, there's so much more. I just feel like I've no, just I know, but we'll said do one another, tiny, tiny yeah. smidgen, really. Yeah, we'll I haven't got more. into... I haven't, we'll do one a term. Get on a roll there. That was just... An introduction to Amber. Reclaiming Yourself, the podcast. Brought to you with PhotologyHub.com. If you enjoyed the conversations, please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe for free.